All right, so those three components we talked about, worship, prayer in the house of prayer, and God's word. Uh, it's an honor for me to be able to get to announce Jamie. He's going to bring the word. I ask you to be prepared to receive it because it's awesome. I sat in first service and got to hear it. But man, just reflecting on the stories he's going to tell, I've been inspired by him. And, you know, the Lord starts knocking on your heart, right? The first part of the pathway is to show up, just consistently show up. In doing that and engaging, the Lord starts to call things out in you. He gives you, he burdens your heart. Anybody been burdened for something specific? The kids, Rush, audiovisual, there's lots of things. Greeting team, but for my brother, it was our kids, Rush. Rush stands for Rise Up, Share Hope. And he's a positive male role model in their lives. Amen? And he's doing it consistently, and he's really excited. He's consistent. He's been here. What a blessing. And I'd like to welcome to the stage Mr. Jamie Savannah. Testing. Good morning, Foundation. Good morning, Foundation. It is such a blessing to be here with you this morning. You have no idea. Let me get set up here. So you'll notice this time I actually have a computer, whereas usually I have paper because I'm old school. And not only that, I'm not used to using the hands-free kit during first service. I like to use my hands a lot. And I accidentally moved the mic underneath my chin. And they're saying, Jamie, Jamie. And I couldn't even see him. So it's like that sometimes. Oh, can we pray? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning as humbly as we know how inviting your presence. Holy Spirit, descend upon this place. Have your will. Open minds, soften hearts. Help us to receive all that you have to give. We are your people. This is your time. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, have you guys taken notice to the question that Pastor Chris asked before he gives his messages now? Anybody? There's a specific question he asks every Sunday before his messages. Actually, Sundays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, whenever he gives a message, he asks one question. Are you ready? Say it with me. Are you ready? The reason why he's asking that is because there's a process we need to undergo to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the word, to receive what God has to give to us. And I'm hoping in that process, and I'm going to be using that word a lot today, so work with me, process. But in that process, I'm hoping there are a few key things. The first is focus, concentration on worship. We can't be distracted and letting anything get in the way of us giving our best to our Savior. Then there's expectations to receive his blessings. And it's pretty tough to receive anything 
if our hearts and our minds are closed. See, back in my day, I used to play basketball. And the vernacular for a good pass with basketball was called dropping a dime. Now, for those of you who have played with me, and there's a few guys in here who play with me, they'll know that I'm not known for passing, okay? I'm not known for passing. I'm a shooter. So my hands are ready to receive. Give me that dime so I can shoot. Nobody? Okay. Well, yes, I am a shooter. So, but I have to be prepared to shoot. In the same way, we have to open our minds and open our hearts to prepare to receive that blessing. And that blessing can come in many forms, in a variety of forms. It can be through prayer, through worship, a nice word from your brother or sister. It could even be through conviction. The key is, is to let the Holy Spirit have his way. Are you with me? Are you with me? See, God is a God of purpose, intentions, and with significant, great, immense detail. And he's speaking to each and every one of us individually. We have to have ears to hear and a heart to receive. Amen? Amen. All right, listen. So... With my Rush students, I let them know, and I'm going to preface this now, that in order for this to flow fluidly, I need to confirm that you are picking up what I'm putting down. But what I mean by that is, if you understand me, if you're feeling me, I need an amen, amen. hallelujah, Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, listen. Otherwise, if you don't do that, I'm going to be under the impression you're not understanding me. So I have to find another way to prove my point, to illustrate my point, which is going to make things go a little bit longer. <laughs> so I strongly suggest if you want to get out of here on time, I need to hear a... Amen. Believe me, our Rush students, yes, Mr. Jamie, yes. Yes! Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, it amazes me how God connects aspects of our lives with his divine appointment. So when Pastor Chris called me and asked me to speak today, I began to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for the word. And interestingly enough, today's message piggybacks what he's been preaching on over his last sermon series involving spiritual warfare. And not only that, it goes sort of hand in hand with the message that Dr. Carmen gave just last Sunday. And it's not a coincidence, not a coincidence at all. So the title of today's message, overcoming those sinful thoughts, but more importantly, the power of choice. See, the concept of choice is pivotal in our walk with Jesus. It's vital. It's extremely powerful. Yet that power, we have the tendency to take it lightly or even overlook it. But it's essential in our walk with Jesus. The definition of choice is an act 
of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. Can we all agree with that? Amen. All right. The process. What is the process at which we make our choices? What is influencing how we think? Is it TV? Is it music? For some of my students, social media. I know it's out there. I know it's out there. How about people? How are they pouring into your life? What are they doing to you? Or could it be all the above? The Bible says in Proverbs 8.10, choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. Jeremiah 38.20, read with me. Jeremiah replied, you won't be handed over to them if you choose to obey the Lord. Your life will be spared and all will go well for you. Joshua 24:15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you rather the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we have six principles involved with dealing with those sinful thoughts. Some we're going to go over in a quick fashion. Others we're going to spend a little bit more time with, okay? So we're connecting the power of choice with regards to how we handle those crazy thoughts. And you know what I'm talking about, those really impure, ungodly thoughts that if others knew what we were thinking, would probably lose respect for us. Am I the only one? Amen? Amen. Amen. So please don't be under the impression that I have the answer to this question. I confess to you, I do not, because if I did, believe me, I would be a very rich man. So I don't. But we're going to kind of process through some ways to better control, get our hands around, and help us gain control over those crazy thoughts. All right, let's get into it. Principle number one. You are not alone. You are not alone. See, the enemy wants you to think you are, and he wants to isolate you. Because by doing that, you are a far easier target but you're not alone. Read with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Amen. So what this is saying is that it's universal. No one's exempt, believer or not. No one gets a free pass. This involves everyone. But if we belong to him, he will not allow temptation to be more than we can stand. Because right before that, we read 
that he's faithful. Meaning every single time he's going to show up. But not only that, not only is he faithful, he provides provision. A way out. We have to make that choice. Implement that trust. And we're going to refer to that later on in the message. Principle number two. Celebrate each victory and don't maximize your defeats. Galatians 5.17, read with me. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you are not to do whatever you want. What this is saying is in the minds and in the hearts of the believer, there is a war taking place between the spirit and the flesh. It's in constant battle, constant battle. And in war, you have these smaller battles that take place. So please don't be discouraged if you're not perfect. Please don't be discouraged if your mind happens to get the best of you. It's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to lose some of those smaller battles. Amen? Amen. It's going to happen. And see, that's where the enemy tries to get our focus. He wants us to stay in there in that mode of failure. Oh, man, I did this wrong. I can't fix this. I did it last night. I did it yesterday. And he tries to hold that over our heads and have us wallow in that self-pity and that shame and that guilt. And he uses that to trap us. But it starts here. If he can get you to think that way from the offset, it's hard to let that go. So our focus is on our failure. Quick question. And for those of you who were in first service, don't respond. How many of you, by show of hands, believes in time traveling? I see one. I see two. Okay. Nobody else in here believes in the concept that time traveling is true. No? Man. All right. So none of you guys have seen Back to the Future? For my men, the Terminator, Star Trek, none. Oh, everyone's seen Endgame. Yes, time traveling, manipulating the quantum realm. Okay, so be it. So be it. What if I was to tell you that every person in this room has been or is currently in? some form of time travel. Would you believe me? No? All right, try this on for size. We've all been in a relationship to where we've been hurt severely. And that pain is so intense that it's, it seems next to impossible to let go of and we choose to carry that pain. And it festers and grows, and it grows so much 
that we think it becomes a part of us. So much that we begin to transfer those emotions, that emotional state to those who enter our lives. So much that we choose to allow that particular emotional state to define who we are. Oh, I'm just an angry person. Oh, I'm just a sad person. Oh, I just don't like people. This is who I am. No? Let's go even further then. And let's say the person, you see that person that caused that hurt 10 years ago. And then you happen to see them today. That source. How are you going to respond to them? Is it going to be with, with joy and happiness? No? Or is it going to be with that same pain and that anger and frustration? Oh, you're not hearing me. Is it going to be with that pain and that frustration? Then you just time traveled 10 years to the past. And what I mean by that is mentally and emotionally, you've been in that same position that has allowed you to not grow and it's held you captive. So you're trapped in where you were 10 years ago. Time travel is possible because that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to hold us there captive, mentally and emotionally stunted, stuck so that the Holy Spirit cannot work inside of us, cannot transform us and change us to be more like Jesus, which is merciful, with grace, with forgiveness. But if we're choosing to hold on to that pain, if we're choosing to hold on to that anguish, we are also choosing not to grow. We are also choosing not to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. Amen? It's tough. I know it's tough. Because in that misery, we try to invite anyone who is willing to listen. We'll complain to our dogs, <laughs> our best friends, our cats, our fish, whatever you have. Join me in this misery. Because it's contagious. Amen? So those of you who raised your hand that believe in time traveling... Leading experts would say you are emotionally intelligent. <laughs> I like that. So, that being said, just remember that with each victory in those small battles, it's contributing ultimately in our victory in the war. We take more and more ground with each victory. Celebrate those because those little battles along the way will ultimately lead to the big victory. So celebrate winning those small battles, those small areas where you think it doesn't make a difference, but it does. It's those small things that lead to the larger things and you gain momentum and the Holy Spirit continues to move and you get more control and more control and more control. It's kind of like um, for those of us who like to lift weights. You get stronger when you add more resistance to the weight and you're doing it more, you get stronger and stronger. Well, again, by adding that resistance to your life spiritually, 
you get stronger and stronger. But sometimes that process is lengthy, depending on how long you've been thinking this way, depending on how long you've been trapped in that emotional area of solitude, it's harder to let go. But be encouraged, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Principle number three, bingo. Everyone's numbers get called. Everyone's numbers get called. I believe it was Martin Luther who once said, you cannot stop the bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. And what that means is control what you can control. And perhaps he meant beards too, because, you know, okay, we're getting there though, we're getting there, we're getting there. But no one's exempt. No one is exempt. And so what I mean by this is there is no way we can control what we think about. Or I'm sorry, we can't control a thought coming in. We can't control that. I mean, honestly, that's what temptation is. And Jesus was tempted too. So if you know of a way to control that, by all means, let me know. Let your brothers and sisters know. So we can't beat ourselves up for the thought entering our head. The sin is how we choose to respond to that thought once it enters our mind. Which leads me to my next principle, number four. Don't add fuel to the fire. And this is probably the most important principle. Read with me, Galatians 6, verses seven through nine. It says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So if we sow to please our flesh, we reap Again, I need you guys to help me out here. So, if we sow to reap the flesh, to please the flesh, we reap destruction. And if we sow to please the spirit, we will reap. There's a huge difference there. Destruction, eternal life. Literally, life or death, our choices boil down to. Did you notice a capital S in spirit in that scripture? What spirit is the Apostle Paul talking about? The Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm glad you noticed that because we're going to also reference that later in the message. So sowing to, to the flesh means doing things purposefully, intentionally to ignite and excite our flesh. So in our minds, there's this thing called the spark, and that's the thought. And like most sparks, if you leave it alone, if you don't mess with it, Eventually, over time, it'll go away. It'll go away. But if you add fuel to that spark, it becomes a fire. And that spark grows and grows. 
And in the same fashion, it's the same thing with our thoughts. If we just leave a thought when it enters alone, don't mess with it. Don't touch that, it'll hurt you. Eventually, it'll go away. But if we choose to engage that thought, if we choose to enhance that thought, what should have gone away grows. What should have gone away turns into that fire. And that fire does what? Burns out of control. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Principle number five, look for triggers. And this is a tricky portion right here. Read with me, Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of what? Darkness. Oftentimes, a sinful or impure thought is the result or reaction to something we have done a few weeks ago, a few days ago, or even a few hours ago. And that thought pops back up into our mind. We see something, we hear something, or we might even smell something that reminds us of that event. So we have to be responsible in choosing what we're going to put into our lives. So we talk quite frequently to our Rush students about the importance and the concept of garbage in, garbage out. So if you inhale a lie, are you going to exhale the truth? Nah, it doesn't work that way. Does not work that way. If you inhale a lie, you are going to exhale a lie. So we have to ask ourselves, what's influencing our thoughts? What are we pouring into our lives? We have to be careful because ultimately, what's coming in through our eyes is going to reach our brain and then our heart. And it's going to come back up and permeate and sit there and transform into those ungodly, impure thoughts. Are you with me? Amen. Let's see here. Principle number six. We're moving right along, you guys. Work with me. Right along. Fill your mind with Scripture. And this area gets real tricky. Real tricky. And this is where the enemy tries to really manipulate things to look really good, but are actually really bad. Let me find some of my Rush students. Huh. Where we at? Oh, yeah, Junior. What is our primary source for the truth? My man, where's your Bible? Oh, you were serving today, so I'll let you slide. You were serving today, so I'll let you slide. He's one of our greeters, so I'm going to let you slide. Judah, where's your Bible? Man, you're killing me. You are killing me. 
So we really stress the importance of having the word with you. Our source for the truth has got to be the Bible. It has to be. Because if it's not, believe me, the enemy will send you a message for you to live by. And it's a lie and you will not even know it. Notions like love is love. Or that there are multiple ways to get to heaven. Hmm. A friend of mine has sent me a, a video clip of this gentleman giving a speech. And in this speech, he was talking about um, the importance of not caring about how others think about you. Talking about taking care of yourself in various ways. And he was also talking about not focusing on the opinions of others because you can't please everyone. And he also said that we should be dependent on ourselves for the courage and the strength to think this way. Hmm, sounds good, huh? Sounds good. He was passionate, very well-spoken, and even presented some information that seemed valid. But what does the Bible say? Who does the Bible say we should be totally dependent on for everything? You can say it louder, you know. That's right. So if I didn't know better because of how good this sounded, I wouldn't have a problem subscribing to this man's way of thinking. That's why it's so vital for us to know the word. It's vital because if we don't, we'll fall for anything. And the enemy will present it in a package that looks fantastic. It'll be in gold or in silver or platinum, whatever you like. It'll be encased in that, but the inside of it, it will always be crap. It will always be crap, and that's the truth. It might look good, but on the inside, it's extremely foul. Amen? Amen. So we have to be careful. Fill our minds with Scripture. Isaiah 26.3, read with me. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, let me share with you how this works. We read, we, we read scripture. We put that into our spirit. We go about our day. And all of a sudden, we're tempted with a sinful thought. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bring that scripture back to our remembrance so that it can combat that sinful thought. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So we can be victorious over those sinful, negative, lustful, greedy thoughts that come to our head. So the more scripture we choose to fill our spirit with, the more ammunition, the more bullets we're giving the Holy Spirit to combat those sinful, evil thoughts. 
We have to choose to give the Holy Spirit that permission. But we got to read our word. We have to invest in the word. Put it into our spirits. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. John 14, 26. Jesus says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to us. But you have to have faith. You have to trust. Choose and understand God's word. Amen. See, the Bible gives several examples of the importance, the power, and the impact of our choices. Dr. Carmen mentioned um, last weekend, last Sunday, that the Bible isn't just mere words and that it won't have maximum impact until we begin to take it personally to the point to where what we're reading, we can see ourselves in it. That's the only way it's going to have maximum impact. Amen? I stand before you on this platform today because of a choice I made. And this portion of the message, of course, is for everyone, but specifically my men. See, about three and a half years ago, I attended a discipleship meeting three and a half years ago. Now, my family and I have been worshiping with Foundation since 2005. So three and a half years ago, 2005. I'm going to let you guys do the math on that one. Three and a half years ago. And we had food and whatnot, we had fellowship, and then we came into this auditorium. I'm sorry, they had food. Now I say they had food because Pastor Chris always gets on to me and says I never eat, which is not true, Pastor. So I literally now have to show him my plate, say, Pastor, I'm eating now. But that's another sermon. So we ate, came in here, and Pastor Melissa began to address us. She was asking us questions, um, getting our contact information, things of that nature. And I was sitting in the back on this side. And she asked all the men, and we had about 85 men at that particular um, gathering, about 85 men. And she was asking us if we were currently serving in any area of ministry at that particular point in time. And I saw a few hands go up, and I knew I knew most of those men were not serving, but they didn't raise their hands. But I raised mine. And she worked from this way to that way where I was sitting. And on the mic, she said to me, and I will never forget this, because I was the only person that she addressed in this entire sea of 85 men. She said, Jamie Savannah, I cannot believe you are not serving in an area of ministry. You are a mighty man of God. Get off the bench and get into this game. 
Now hear me. I could have been easily offended because she said this in front of all these men and to only me. I could have easily been like, what? what? I could have given her what I call the size upstairs. The, how? And like I said, I used to play basketball and that was a stare I would give anybody who tried to guard me. The, really? You? I could have easily done that. How, I'm a grown man. Let me tell him what to do. Easily. But I wasn't offended. I chose not to be offended. See, I understood that it was the Holy Spirit speaking through her, confirming his presence, and telling me, get off the bench. Let's go. Get off the bench. Let's go. She wasn't calling me out. That was the Holy Spirit. See, what I didn't mention was I had a conversation with the Holy Spirit before I even got there, so I had already made my choice. He was just confirming his presence. Are you with me? Are you with me? Amen. See, I made that choice. I made that choice. And from that choice, I cannot begin to witness how much of a blessing it's been for me and my family. I cannot begin to express how many doors God has opened for me and my family, but my men, it started with me. My men, it started with me. I had to make that choice. And that choice branched out to my family. Believe me, I had to lead. If I'm worshiping, everybody's worshiping. If I'm praying, everybody's praying. If I'm serving, guess what? Everybody's serving. Amen? My men, it starts with us. I am the one that sets the example for my son. That's me. That's my job. It is not Marlowe's responsibility to wake us up on Sunday mornings. No, no. At 7 a.m. every Sunday morning, my son's gonna hear this. Hit it, brother. when he hears that, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. I'm only going to say it once, maybe twice. When he hears that gospel playing, it's time to get up. It's time to get inspired, but it starts with choice. I could easily drag my feet, kind of like he does sometimes. Oh, dad, I don't want to get up. But he knows for long, that's not going to fly. Boy, you better get up. 
And not only get up, put yourself in that right frame of mind. Because we can choose to, oh, and drag that attitude here into worship. And then we'll choose not to engage. And that alone already cuts us off from the opportunity to be blessed. We're making that choice not to be blessed. So my men, we set the tone, the spiritual tone in our household. It's up to us. See, I took one step. I chose to take one step toward Jesus, and he had already taken five toward me. Already taken five toward me. So when I say that Pastor Melissa wasn't, was calling me out, she wasn't calling me out. So my men, I have to ask you, where are you at? Where are you at? Jesus is calling. I'll say it again. Jesus is calling. Where are you at? I need you to stand up. My men, I need you to stand up. I'm not calling you out. Please. Set aside your pride. Set aside your ego. Set aside that fear. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Your brothers and sisters need you. Are you willing to answer that call? Are you willing to make that choice? Are you with me? Amen. I need you to be the men that you were called to be. I need you to be the men who will stand in the gap for us brothers and sisters in prayer. To get down on your knees when needed. To be that example. It starts with us. God has a prescription of how things should go in the Bible. And it starts first because we are in his image. My men, stand. Stand strong. Stand humbly. It may come in the form of conviction, but fear should not govern how we move. Fear has no place in our lives. Fear has no room in our lives. Stand. Make that choice. Make that decision. Let's pray. Father, it is by your hand that all blessings flow. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for this time with you. We pray a blessing over every household that your Holy Spirit will reign supreme that we'll learn to die to self and live for you. That you would light a spark in the heart of each man here, Father. Help them to understand who you've called them to be. Bless them with patience where it's needed. Bless them with, with strength where it's needed, Father. Compassion. Teach us how to love like you love, Father. To believe like you believe 
Increase our faith, Father. Draw us into your presence. We need you so badly. We can't make it without you. We give this day to you, Father. We give our minds and our hearts to you, Father, and only you. Glory to God. Thank you for this day, Father. Bless us in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. 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 Have a good day, Foundation.